You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great, good morning, Pentecost Sunday. It's great to come and celebrate Pentecost together. I know that people all around the world celebrate Pentecost in very different ways. And so I thought we'd just have a few demonstrations whilst we're doing this. So I know that over on my uh, left, your right, I've got some people who are going to be lighting candles. Some for Pentecost would light a candle for every single person in the room. So count them out and let's just see. If, if, else, if I've asked you to stand on your chair, if you could stand right now, that would be brilliant. I know as well that people are for Pentecost on the chair. Don't be shy, Joy. Come on, we want to see you on your chair. People around the world wear red and white on Pentecost Sunday. That's a Pentecost tradition. So it's fantastic to have you guys here and celebrating Pentecost with us. We love that. Damien is opening and closing the windows. Keep it going, Damien, right along the row. Keep it going. Because people around the world open the windows on Pentecost Sunday to let the Holy Spirit in. Yeah, I know that we say he's already here, but this is a visible sign of what is going to be happening during today. Also, during uh, Pentecost Sunday, trumpets are blown. (laughs) Come on, we can do it. Brilliant. Obviously, you picked up, you will pick up in the story that I'm going to read in just a moment that at Pentecost there was this violent sound, and so people blow trumpets on Pentecost. People also cast rose petals. This is done in Italy, and it is a way of celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Rose petals are meant to symbolize the flames that came down onto the believer's head. I I love it. All around the world, people celebrating. In England, traditionally, you guys can sit down now, that is fantastic. We have celebrated Pentecost Sunday by Morris dancing and cheese rolling. But I thought nobody would be silly enough to do that publicly, so I haven't asked anyone to do it today. What is this all about? All around the world, people celebrate Pentecost in very different ways. What is Pentecost? Well, I'm going to read the story. If you've got a Bible, it's in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read the first... 13 verses, and it will also come up on the screen behind me. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly. I love that word. Who knows what God is going to do? Even this morning, there's a suddenly, isn't there? Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent trumpet, wind, sorry, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like petals of roses. This is why people have done it. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing. Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, 
are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Galileans were known as sort of the simple folk in those days. Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Capotia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us now. We thank you as we've come to worship you. You are so willing to engage with us. We thank you, Father, you sent your Son. We thank you, Jesus, you send your Spirit to us. And we do come. We, we want to open our hearts right now. We say speak to us, whatever our tradition, however we've celebrated or not celebrated Pentecost in the past. We come and ask that we'd hear you speak to us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pentecost. Looking at Pentecost. It's funny because actually you read this story, there's some things that we just don't know the answer to. So if you look at it, we're not actually sure how many people were gathered. Was it the 12 disciples or was it the 120? I'd like to think it was the 120. Yeah, I'd love to think they were all gathered together. We don't actually know. Where exactly were they meeting? Well, again, if you've read Acts chapter 1, you know that they were in the upper room. But it doesn't tell us in this. But what we do know is when they were meeting. Pentecost, pent, basically means 50. So Pentecost takes place 50 days after the Passover. And so basically, it was this celebration. If you read the Old Testament, that's the sort of first half of the Bible. It all happened before Jesus. They used to describe it as the Feast of Weeks. And so what happened at Pentecost is that they would celebrate the barley harvest that had come in and the start of the wheat harvest. And it's almost like, God, how do we get together? And they'd celebrated this throughout their history. You could read about it. If you want to, jot it down in Deuteronomy, which is one of the books of the Old Testament. It says, remember, you were slaves in Egypt and, and followed carefully these decrees. That was at the time of the Feast of Weeks. And so what they were doing is they were celebrating that God had broken them out of slavery. Ah, oh, right. So this is, gives us a background to Pentecost. In fact, we also know that it was celebrated, the Feast of Weeks, the same thing, in Leviticus, another Old Testament book. Leviticus 23 says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord. So actually, at this time of celebration, they realized that they'd been set free. They also realized that they were in a covenant with God. Oh, wow, God, you've established. He said, look, remember, I'm your God. Remember, we've got this covenant. Don't go right to the edge. Remember the poor. And so when they had this feast of weeks, they were gathering together. In fact, at the time this one takes place, because obviously cultures develop and change slightly, often what they used to remember 
was the giving of the law. You see, if you know in the Old Testament that the people of God, the Israelites, were in slavery, they bust out of slavery through all the miracles through Moses, they go through the Red Sea, they wander around in the desert, and 50 days after the Passover, they were at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God gave them this law. And so often at Pentecost, they gathered together to celebrate this law that was given. And for many of us today, we would look back on this and say, this was the birth of the church. Now, I know theologically you could say, well, look, the church was right there and it's grown through. But many would say historically, this is something that we celebrate at Pentecost. And then, I mean, there's so many things that I would love to bring out about Pentecost for us today. You see, the Pentecost experience here was when the Holy Spirit came in power. And I believe in that power. I genuinely believe in that. Jesus himself had said, hey, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. And that is the, the offer today. It is not a spectator sport, this. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to just think, oh, there's one or two. If anyone is thirsty here today, you can drink because of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. I mean, that changes everything, doesn't it? I I honestly believe this. Come on, I I know that we can be fairly diverse as a church. I am looking for a few amens this morning. I'm looking to be on the front of your seat and think, come on, I'm believing this. The Holy Spirit comes with power. He breaks the habit of sin. That's true, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? You could do an amen after each one. You see, and you get into it, yeah? The Holy Spirit comes to bring healing. Amen. We believe it, don't we? The Holy Spirit comes to teach us more about God. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes to give us a sense of the very intimate presence of God. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes to remind us of what we've read and heard. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sin and lead us to righteousness. So I would say this morning, Pentecost, if you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you could be prayed for today. And at the end of our meeting, we have people here. They would love to pray for you. And you think, wow, why on earth wouldn't I? Do you know, Jesus gave them this great commission. And do you know what he said? Wait. Why? Why on earth would you wait? For the Holy Spirit to come. We know that Jesus had ascended. We know it was about 10 days before this. Waiting, waiting. And suddenly this power comes. And that's something of what we celebrate on Pentecost. However we want to celebrate, there is power today. And if you think, oh, God, I need some power, get some prayer. And you might come in today and say, oh, Pete, I've been filled with the Spirit before. Well, actually, we thirst. You know what I'm saying? I had some orange juice for breakfast, but I'm still going to have a cup of tea at the end of the meeting. I don't think, oh, that's it. I don't think, oh, it's just a one-off. I think, man, let's have some more. Let's go back again. And you can say, Pete, I'd love to be prayed for again. Great, there's people over here that pray for you. I would love to go and just spend that whole time looking at just the power of the Spirit. But actually, I want to look at something slightly different today, which comes out of Pentecost. You see, I believe that Pentecost is, is a gathering together of people. 
Roy Clements, he's an evangelical church leader, says this, the Pentecostal tongues was appointed to the way in which the Holy Spirit was going to break down social barriers and create an unprecedented kind of internationalism. Unlike the imperialisms of men, the Spirit had no ambition to homogenize the peoples of the world into uniform Christian culture. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to explain that this morning. You see, I think you pick up this verse many times. It says, every nation. They reckon that Pentecost was more international than the Passover. Because actually it was 10 weeks later, and so it was therefore an easier time to travel. So everybody had a national holiday, and they would gather in Jerusalem, and it would be absolutely heaving with all these nations. Luke says, from every nation, every nation under heaven. Now, then they do these 15 nations that we might think, where are they? Well, basically, when he was writing that, it was north, south, east, west, and a couple of others thrown in. You've got to understand, this was sort of Hebrew understanding. For them, that was the entire known world at that time. So it was basically where Jews had spread to at that time. And so basically, he was saying, look, wherever you can think of, so if I just said to you this morning, go and shout a nation out, and everyone started shouting nations, I'd say, that's it, every nation. We might have missed one or two. But the point of it was, we thought of as many nations as we could. And this is really what had happened here. In fact, there was a tradition at the time that this took place, that when, this was amongst the Jewish rabbis, that when the law came, it was spoken by God on Mount Sinai in 70 languages because they believed there were 70 nations around the world, but they were the language that heard. This was the time when we suddenly get this, all the nations present. They were celebrating this, every single nation there. And then it talks about these languages. It says, it doesn't say it once. It says it three times. Each one heard them speaking in his own language. Got that? How is it that each one of us hears him speaking in our native language? Okay, you've said that. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. I did four years of French at school. Je ne parle pas français, s'il vous plaît. And if you're French, you probably say you pronounced it wrong anyway. That was the one sentence I learnt. I do not speak French, if you please. It took me four years. I don't think that this was a sort of gathering together saying, oh, well, I know a smuttering of these languages. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't like, what are they saying? Oh, I can pick up the gist of it. Or if I'm on holiday, I understand what they're saying. No, they were speaking in every language. It, it wasn't, oh, well, you know, do, do we understand a little bit of this? Every language. This was a miracle. John Stott, a Bible teacher and church leader from the UK, says nothing could have demonstrated more clearly than this the multiracial, multinational, multilingual nature of the kingdom of Christ. Wow. Suddenly, all these languages are here. And basically, these Galileans, these... Okay, let's be really racist just for a moment. These Brits, they're the ones that never learn another language. They're the lazy boys, aren't they? I put myself in that bucket. You know, if I go abroad and you don't understand, what do I do? I shout. Ice cream, please. Big ice cream. 
I don't learn other languages. I'm white British. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like the Galileans were like this. We don't expect them to speak another language. But suddenly they, they do. Wow, it's a miracle. If you were here last week, you'd have heard Richard speak so well about the Old Testament picture of Babel. Babel was in Genesis 11. And basically, the world gathers together. They had one language. They wanted to build a name for themselves. So they decided to make bricks and build a tower that would reach to the heavens. It was called the Shard. No, it wasn't really. But they tried to build this. How do we make a name for ourselves? How do we get accolade? We're going to build this up. And we understand, don't we, that God confused their language and scattered the people across the earth. The Tower of Babel was all about human inventiveness, ingenuity, the ability to dream and control. At Babel, languages were confused and scattered. In Jerusalem, language barrier was overcame and the nations came together. At Babel, man was proud and tried to reach up to God. In Jerusalem, heaven humbly descended down to man. I'm not going to say that Babel was undone. I'm going to say it was redeemed and the negative impacts were nullified. And so I think there's this picture here of, of, of Babel. What happened in Babel is God had come in judgment and brought division. Whereas in Jerusalem, God comes in grace and brings community. What does this mean? God scattered at Babel. God reconciles in Jerusalem. This is not a political agenda. It's a God thing. And our danger is that we can suddenly think, oh, well, this is just political, Pete, isn't it? We should all be together. We've got to be happy friends. No, actually, I think we understand something of the kingdom here. Martin Luther King, who was the Baptist minister and activist in the state, said, we have flown the air like birds and swum the sea like fishes, but have yet to learn the simple act of walking the earth like brothers. He was almost saying, oh, there's something of God here. How do we fully understand that? And so I want to bring us the challenge as a church and say, um, on Pentecost Sunday, I'd love to be talking the power. But actually, I feel I want to bring the challenge of where are we at connecting together? Not as some political thing, but as God's kingdom. David Anderson, he's written many books on this. One which I would thoroughly recommend is called Gracism. He says, while it is not a natural instinct to gravitate towards the least, last, and left out, it is godly. He was saying, actually, there's something about building community, about reaching to others. Our danger is that we live in a society that thinks, what does it do for me? Or what about myself? Whereas suddenly, if we're going to be godly, we think, how do I reach out to somebody else? How do I connect with somebody else? The birth of the church, which is Pentecost, is an occasion that the nations come together. It is a physical and spiritual unity. That's what Pentecost is. So what do I want to challenge us on? I want us to look at this whole thing of unity. When the Spirit comes, there is unity. This shouldn't come as a surprise to us. You see, we follow Jesus Christ. That's why we sing about him. That's why we read the Bible. If you think about the life of Jesus, the rich and the poor crowd 
around him. The wealthy and the lame wanted to get close to Jesus. The families and the lonely all wanted a bit of Jesus. You can read story after story. I love this about Jesus. Think about it. Some of us, we've read the Bible so many times, we've forgotten how radical it is. Jesus had 12 disciples. They were his closest friends. We are told now, oh, you want to gather people around that are like you. It's much easier if you gather people that are like you. In his 12, he had a tax collector. Well, if you were alive on those days, a tax collector had sold out to the authority. It was a snitch. It was one of us, but they worked for them. And because they knew us, they could charge what taxes we owed. Spit on a tax collector. Just in those days, I wouldn't do that now because I'm a Christian. And in his 12, alongside a tax collector, we hear that he had a zealot, Simon the Zealot. Well, what was a zealot? I mean, it was like a a modern-day terrorist. So basically what they thought is we don't agree with how things are going on. We will physically do damage to the establishment to cause fear so that they run away from us. I mean, I, I was just thinking, how on earth do you have those two in the same corner? I, you know, if that was me, you, you could just imagine you'd have like, you'd be holding them apart all the time. You know, Jesus would be teaching, Simon, sit down. Matthew, forget it. <laughs> you know, you're walking along the road. I can see you. I've got eyes in the back of my head. <laughs> it wasn't me. He started. He kicked me. I was only charging him his tax. I mean, how on earth would he have got the two together? But there was something about Jesus that united. I mean, I find his ability to overcome prejudice amazing. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. We all like it, don't we? Oh, there's three people walking along, and we always know, you know, the Levite and the priest, they didn't do it. We'd expect them to. But the Samaritan, I mean, Jesus was telling this story. I, I bet people listening were gagging. What? It's like telling us the French will save Europe. Never! If you're British, you get that. You know what I mean? You suddenly think, oh! But Jesus was able to do all of that. What did Jesus pray in John 17 when he's praying to the Father? Father, let them be one. That was his heart's cry for us. So if we understand something of, of the kingdom of God, and we think about Pentecost, there's something of unity. Paul, who wrote many letters of the New Testament, his name was Saul. You might have heard of this guy with the Damascus Road experience. He wasn't a disciple, but actually he was one that was anti the church. He's riding on this horse. God comes to him. His life gets turned around. His name gets changed to Paul. And he starts writing this amazing stuff. 13 letters in the New Testament from him. Many times he refers to, come on, we've got to be united. He takes the image in 1 Corinthians 12 of a body. Just as a body, though one has many parts, all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we're all given the spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of many, one part, but many. I mean, just think about that. You know, I'm saying, I, I don't just sort of sit over here and then leave a leg over here, my head over here. I mean, that's just bizarre, isn't it? This is Pete. There's just one place. This is one body. Whether it be a foot, a hand, a liver, a kidney, whatever. This is Pete. Oh, so Paul's saying, this is church. 
Oh, it's one body. Do I feel I like them, look like them, dress like them? Oh, but this is the body. This is the church. He goes on and when he writes a, a letter to the church in Ephesus, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, there's one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Ah, that'd be a whole sermon in itself. We are to be humble, patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort, unity of the Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, we're one. I grew up in a Baptist church. I'm very, very grateful for my Baptist roots. My Baptist church taught me a love of the Bible. I believe this is God's word. But we did have a song that I never understood. Jesus bids us shine like a pure, clear light. Was it like a little candle burning in the night? You in your small corner and me in mine. I think, where would you find that in the Bible? We are together. You see, if one of us rejoices, we'll all rejoice. If one of us suffers, we all suffer. Because there's something of unity. So how does this impact Redeemer? Well, we live in a very diverse borough. You've probably heard me say it before. 172 nationalities are represented in the borough of Ealing. I love that. 172 nationalities. I love the fact that we've got 30 plus nationalities in this church. Because I think we've got to believe for that. I believe the church is to bring a foretaste of heaven to earth. We know in heaven, in Revelation 7 verse 9, John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, nation, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I am so keen for us as a church to know something of the Spirit that brings unity and togetherness. I love the fact that as a church, we had a hip-hop band here. You know what I'm saying? It's, even, it's, okay, it's not really my style. I, I, I have Radio 2 on in the car. You know what I'm saying? That's fine. You're welcome too. But we can have it all together. I love the fact we've got the London Gospel Community Choir coming on a Sunday morning. Because, you know, we, we love the whole choir. And come on, if, if we can't sway, we're going wrong. We should all be able to come together. I love the fact we have an international Sunday next week. You've never been before. We just say to people, look, if you haven't got a national costume, just borrow somebody else's. Just wear whatever you fancy. Just come. Because we celebrate. Oh, come on. We are together. We're united together. Johnny Erickson. She's a Christian author and a radio host. Some of you may have heard of her. She had a swimming accident as a young child. She dived into a sea off a, a floating platform and hit the bottom. She broke her spine. She's been in a wheelchair ever since. She said this, Believers are never told to become one. We already are one and are expected to act like it. I think that's the challenge for us out of Pentecost. We want the Spirit to come to bring a sense of unity. 
my aim for this church would be the rich and the poor come together. My aim in this church is to have those that have educated at university and those who've gone through the school of life to be here together. Those that are single, those that are married, those that are black, those that are white, those that are young, those that are old, those that are sporty, those that are not. It doesn't matter. We could come together. Now, I'm aware that that presents some challenges. I'm aware that we just need to talk, listen to one another's stories, appreciate what one another has gone through. I'm aware that as a church, this would take grace. People don't think and behave like us. That's fine. Let's show some grace. Listen, let me understand. I've told you many times, my daughter's in Uganda. She's on a a nine-month sort of gap year out there. She'd gone out for dinner. Uh, I think it was last week. She'd won it from church, won a prize, and it was to go out for dinner. Bible trivia. There you go. Pastor's daughter won that. I'll just bank that. There you go. When she goes out, she orders this meal with whoever from the church has taken her. Their meal comes out. She sits and watches them eat their meal. Half an hour later, she says, excuse me, my meal's not arrived. To which they say, oh, yeah, we're not serving your food today. Oh. <laughs> she said, oh, couldn't you have told me that? <laughs> I would find that rather frustrating. But she said, Dad, that's just Africa. That's just what they do. I said, what do you do? She said, it's just the way it goes. Now, I don't understand that, but I just like to listen, appreciate, understand. I'm very aware, you know what I'm saying? I'm always looking at the time. We announce here, oh, church is about to start in two minutes. If you've never been here at 25 past 10, that is the thing that happens. <laughs> but some of you are thinking, what, really? I think, come on, how do we genuinely go on this journey together? How do we understand that people have got slightly different ways of behaving? We've got to understand and appreciate different cultures in the church. We've got to be very intentional. I'd like to suggest, make a suggestion for next week, International Sunday. I'd like everybody to invite somebody else out for lunch or coffee that they've never met before. A different nation. I don't just want us to be in our own little groups and think, oh, I've always had something for them. Why don't you just say to somebody, hey, let's go for a coffee together. I've never had coffee with you. Because if we're not intentional, it'll never happen. I think this is something we've got to do. I'll tell you something else we've got to learn to do in the church. We've got to learn to forgive. Because somebody will tread on our toes, and they didn't mean to. But it's just culturally different. And then we'll just go, I'm really sorry. Great, I forgive you. Let's learn together. There will be misunderstanding. And that goes both ways. I went to university. It was ILIA. That was Inner London Education Authority. Every single lesson that I taught, I trained to be a primary school teacher, I had to review in case of sexism and racism. Uh, this was like 20 years ago. They're very, very strong in it. And uh, to be honest, as a white middle-class guy, you know, I was the bad boy at university. And I remember sitting in a lecture with a friend of mine. I won't say his name. And... He, and um, he said to me, okay, his name is Chris, but you don't know who Chris is. He said, um, they, they used to often in this lecture go, oh, Pete, obviously, he's, he's a white boy and he doesn't quite understand stuff. How do we help him get the picture? 
And Chris said to me, oh, no, I'm racist against Pete. And, and the lecturer said, no, 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 you're not. He, Chris was black, he's the guy I played football with. He said, oh, I am, because if he turned up at my club, I'd look at him and think, Pete, you're out of place, you can't dance, leave. And they kept saying, no, no, you can't say things like that. And, and we had to have a conversation. What does it really mean? And actually, we can all have hurt and have all been hurt. And then we just bring that into the church. And yet the church, we've got to get to a place of saying, no, actually, I forgive. And I'm going to go forward. I know when I preached on this in my last church, somebody, to be honest, I was out with them afterwards. They were telling me they'd turn up at a church and been asked not to come in because of the color of their skin. I was shocked by that. I'm aware that some of you would have had much tougher time. I had a friend who often got stopped for the police just because he was black and driving home at 11 o'clock at night. I'm aware people had much tougher time than me. I think, how do we generally get together and build one church? Because I think that's the biblical way. Owen Hilton, he leads a church uh, down in Brixton. He's written a book called Crossing the Divide. He says this, celebrating difference is another way of appreciating what God has done in making creation diverse. And it's also a way of uniting us. I love the fact that heaven will be every nation and tribe and tongue around the throne. And my hope and my prayer for Pentecost is this, that as we drink more of the Spirit of God, we have become more diverse. I honestly, my prayer is, wouldn't it be great on a Sunday morning to have 150 different nationalities all here worshipping God together? Some of you say, what about the other 22? Well, I'm still going to keep praying for that as well. Genuinely. I think surely that's something of what we understand about the Bible. There's something here about the nations coming together. I'm going to finish with this rather long quote. It's a guy called A.W. Tozer. It's in his book, The Pursuit of God. He was an American pastor. I will summarize it for you. He was basically saying that actually if you had a tuning fork and you tuned a hundred instruments to the tuning fork, then they'd be able to play together as a perfect orchestra. He said, well, actually, surely as Christians in a church, we should all tune ourselves not to one another, but to God. And if we tuned ourselves to God, then we'd all play in perfect harmony. And so even as we leave this talk this morning, it's not suddenly, oh, golly, what must I do to focus upon myself? Or even what must I do to focus upon somebody else? If we genuinely focused upon God, then this truly would become an international church. Because actually we look to him and we're all in tune with him. Then we'd play this beautiful harmony across with everyone else. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you that we are part of your body. We thank you you are the head. We thank you that we've all got different roles, different backgrounds, different cultures, different tastes, different national dress, but actually we gather together, your church, for your glory. Even this morning, we don't want to leave. We do want to be intentional. We do want to be thorough and thought through. We do want to be biblical. We want to leave with our eyes fixed upon you. We are united because of Jesus Christ. Rich, poor, black, white, whatever our background, we can come together because of Jesus. We thank you this is not some political cause, 
This is kingdom restored. And we ask for that in Redeemer, in the years to come, for your glory. Amen.